0: Titus 3, beginning in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith grace be with you all.
1: Thanks, Courtney. Morning, Christ Covenant family. It's great to be with you guys today and to open God's word to the book of Titus chapter 3. My name is Barrett, one of the pastors here at Christ Covenant. I, I've entitled this sermon, Pursuing Church Health Through Good Works. Pursuing Church Health Through Good Works. And want to let you know where we're Headed today on the topic of good works. First off, we're going to look at what is meant by this phrase, good works. And then we're going to look at what is to be the foundation and motivation for these good works. And then I want us to consider some kind of ditches that we can fall into when we're on the road to, to doing these good works. So those are kind of the three things. Uh, this phrase, good works, is mentioned six times in the book of Titus. Three times in our chapter today that we just heard uh, from Courtney. So the first time is in chapter 1 and verse 16. It's kind of a, a negative use talking about these guys. And we'll, we'll, we'll visit that verse later, uh, later in the sermon. But uh, also in chapter 2 and verse 7 it says there that we are to show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. In verse 14 of chapter two, going down there, it says that, we, uh, that Jesus has purified for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. In chapter three and verse one, it says that we are to be ready for every good work. In verse eight, it says that we are to devote ourselves or devote themselves to good works. And then in verse 14 of chapter 3, it says the same things. that uh, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. So kind of want to just go through those just to show that like this whole good works thing is a major theme in the book of Titus. And I, I would What I'm proposing to you today that if we want to pursue church health, if Christ's covenant wants to be a healthy church, we've got to focus on doing these good works. These good works are essential for church health. Uh, Blake and Jordan and Thomas, the last uh, three weeks have taken us through the first two chapters of Titus. And so I kind of want to give a a real brief overview by way of introduction of of how all this kind of fits together in the book of Titus. Uh, So uh, Paul is writing the letter to Titus. As you guys have heard, the last few weeks there's these new churches that have been planted on the island of Crete and uh, Paul essentially leaves Titus to do what he says in chapter one, verse five, he says to put what remains into order. And so essentially, Paul is leaving Titus to pursue church health so that all of these, church, these newly planted churches will grow up to be healthy, thriving, godly churches that are living out their faith. And essentially he's saying to do this by three ways. And the three ways are, number one, to appoint elders in all these churches. So he tells Titus to go around and to appoint elders. And this godly, humble, selfless leadership is going to be essential in all of these churches. There's also these guys, who, who have been causing trouble. We read about it in chapter 1 and verse 10 that these, there's these empty talkers and these deceivers that come in and in, and in chapter 3 and verse 10 as well uh, that they start to divide the church. And so the elders have this necessary but difficult responsibility of, of keeping these type people out of the church because they're going to get in and they're going to they're divide it. The second thing in, in Titus to pursue church health is sound doctrine. And Thomas took us through this through this last week about sound doctrine in chapter two. So in addition to appointing elders, we're supposed to, the church is to be founded on sound doctrine, but not only founded on sound doctrine, it's to be founded on sound doctrine, but we're constantly returning to this sound doctrine. So we're constantly revisiting the gospel. And we do that each week as we come together as a church family, we revisit who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what what that means for us. The the third thing in the book of Titus to pursue church health is these good works that we see repeated over and over in the book of Titus. As James would say, that we are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And so today, I want to dive down into this whole, this phrase, good works. You know, the interesting thing is that just this past week, I I heard, you guys probably heard of it before I did, but I heard of two very large, faithful evangelical churches in two major cities that are experiencing a lot of division. These are long-standing churches. These are the churches that we look up to and say they have incredible leadership, the sermon each week is incredible, Um, and, and yet they're experiencing like some really serious division. There's a podcast that came out as well about another large church and another large city that is also experienced a lot of division and ended up actually just kind of crumbling. And so I would say if we don't want the next podcast to be the rise and fall of Christ's covenant, I think we need to be serious about church health and I think we need to take Paul's words seriously in the book of Titus as to how we as a church, as as a church family, can um, pursue church health. And so what I'm emphasizing today is that good works is a vital part of church health, of pursuing a healthy church. You know, in the event that a church gathers each week and teaches sound doctrine and is, quote, gospel-centered in its worship, but leaves the serving and the utilizing of special gifts to a select few in the church, whether that's pastors, elders, deacons, whoever, this is not a healthy church. God means for all the members of a church to utilize the giftings that the Spirit has given each of us to serve in different ways, so let's let's dive down a bit deeper into this whole thing on good works. First part is what is or what are good works? This phrase, good works. So I want to give you some practical handles for what uh, these good works are. So a little working definition of good works: good works are things we do to meet physical and/or spiritual needs. Both inside the church and outside the church. So I, I want to break this down, break this definition down into three parts, so that we're kind of you know digesting it a little bit. So good works is are things we do. It is an actual doing, okay. Um, You may be growing in your knowledge of the word. You may be seeking to live a holy life. You may be seeking personal purity, right behavior and attitudes. You're reading your Bible and you're praying. And and I would say all these things are vitally important for your walk with the Lord. But it should not stop there. Our our faith and our love for God should actually produce what is called in the book of Titus, good works. Good works. We should, we should be serving in some ways. We should be utilizing the ways that God has gifted us. So good works is actually doing something. It's serving in some way. The next part of this is that it's meeting physical and or spiritual needs. If you look, uh, you, you don't have to go there, but in the book of Matthew chapter 11, we see that John the Baptist is in prison. He's in prison and he sends his disciples and he says, go talk to Jesus and ask him if he's, to, if he's the long-awaited Messiah, if he's the long-awaited Christ that we have been waiting for. And Jesus, look at how he responds to them. Just, just hear this in, in Matthew 11 uh, verse 4 and 5. It says, Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And so we see Jesus in his ministry. He's going around and he's meeting physical and spiritual needs. And, and actually John, when he sends his disciples, he's saying, he's saying, uh, ask about these deeds of the Christ. These works of the Christ. It's the same word that Paul's using in Titus. That that these are good works. These are good works that Jesus is doing. He's meeting physical, both physical. And spiritual needs. The, the blind are receiving sight, the lame are, are being healed, and so on. And then he's preaching the good news. He's actually, he's actually concerned about their spiritual needs as well. So this is Jesus in his ministry meeting physical and spiritual needs in the same way that he calls the church to do these good works to meet these physical and spiritual needs. The third part of this definition is that God, uh, that these good works are to be done in, both inside the church. And outside the church, I think this is very important. Uh, Paul sums it up very well in his letter to the churches in in Galatia where he says in uh, in Galatians 6.10, he says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. And so we see here that Paul's talking about we do good to everyone and especially those of the household of the faith. So we meet needs inside the church, but we're also to have an eye outside the church to do good to everyone. Uh, if we go back to our text in Titus in verse 14, it's, uh, uh, sorry, in chapter 3, verse 14, it says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And so Paul's telling Titus to tell these churches that there's some urgent needs out there, particularly if you look in verse 12 and 13, there's kind of these gospel partners that are going around with Paul and doing different kinds of ministry, and they've got some needs. So he's telling the churches on the island of Crete, like you guys do good works, learn to devote yourself to good works to meet those needs. Those are, those are inside the church meeting those needs. Acts two and four, the first church that's in Jerusalem, you remember what they were doing? They were selling some, they were selling their possessions and coming giving it to the apostles so that needs could be met. And in fact, in, in Acts four, it actually says that there was not a needy person among them. No one in the church had needs because they're looking to meet these needs inside the church. We had a great example here in Christ's Covenant recently. Jeremy and Lizzie Brooks came down with COVID, same time that my family came down with COVID. In fact, we had a dinner together, and I think that's where it happened. But uh, they came down with COVID, and then Lizzie goes to the hospital to get, a, very pregnant at the time, she goes to the hospital to get some, get some oxygen. And they decide to induce her. And into the world comes little baby Scarlett. One person in their community group watches the other two kids. Another person sets up a meal train. Other people are cooking meals for them. It's an amazing way of how the body is, is meeting needs inside the church. And, and I, would, I would call these urgent needs that are being met inside the church, a, a beautiful example of that. Uh, needs that are inside Christ's covenant as well are being met through the different teams that serve. The hands team, covenant kids team, the connect team. We've got the student ministry team. There's all kinds of these teams of how you can utilize your gifts to serve inside the church. On August 8th, uh, Blake already mentioned that we're going to have a time where we all fill out these serve the church commitment cards. And so we'll have an opportunity for you to sign up in ways that you can serve and to carry out what Titus is calling good works. But we're also to be outward facing. And we look in Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. And so the church is also to be outward facing, to be submissive to these rulers and authorities, and, and to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So as we go out of the church, we're also to have an eye to other people's needs, to meet needs that we see along the way we've got ministries here in Christ's covenant are, are kind of outward facing, we call it bless the city. And so we've got different ministry like the Paul kids ministries. Uh, but I, I, would, I would just say as a young church, I think we have a lot of untapped potential here of how we can meet needs and we can, we can serve outside the church as well. So good works are things that we do in, both inside the church and outside the church to meet these physical and spiritual needs. Second thing that I want us to look at today is what is to be our foundation and our motivation for these good works? If you look in Titus 3, in verses 3 to 7, you'll see what is to be our foundation, both our foundation and our motivation for these good works. Paul packs a whole lot into these five verses. He, he, he reminds us of who we were, he reminds us of what God has done for us, and then he also reminds us of, of the future, of, of what is to come and what God has given us. So if you look in verse 3, it says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And then he goes into Reminding us of of what God has done. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and then goes into what he will do for us so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So God's done so much for us. He saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the renewal of the spirit. He poured his spirit out on us, justified us by his grace. Do you you sit and meditate at times on how because of what Jesus has done, you can stand right before a holy God? We need to sit and meditate on this at times, and often, day in and day out. Because of what Jesus has done, we can stand right before a holy God. We can be justified before him. But we've also got this future hope because of Jesus. He says we become heirs. we become heirs of his kingdom, and we have this hope of eternal life. We live differently because we can look out into the future And know what is to come and be confident of that and have faith in that and believe in that. And it will change how we operate today. But I also want us to, I I want to point our attention real quick on this point to verse 5. It says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. You know, we, we hear this and we know that God has like graciously given us some of these things. Sometimes there's still something inside of us that says, Man, I've made some good decisions in my life. I, I, I you know, I kind of am where I am because of who I am. And if we're honest with ourselves, we want to take a little credit for where we are in life. But what Paul is telling Titus in these Cretan churches, he's saying that everything that we have in Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so solely due to God's grace and mercy in our lives. Not because of any works that we have done, but it's all because of his mercy in our lives. Your salvation, even your desire and your ability to serve and to do these good works that we're talking about, all of this is solely a result of God's mercy. So the grace and the mercy of God is to be our, our foundation and our motivation for these good works. And it's absolutely essential that we maintain this proper foundation and this proper motivation for, for doing these good works. But, but here's the problem. The Bible teaches us that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so even after we're regenerated, even after we're redeemed, even after Jesus has saved us, we still struggle with this. And there's some... There's some what I'm calling ditches that we can fall into as we walk down this road of trying to do these good works. And so this is the last thing that I want to look at today. My my third point is these ditches that are on the road to good works. And the way that I want to do this, I, I, I want to just point out four, briefly, four types of people that... I would say threaten the good good works that we may or may not be doing in the church. And then ultimately it threatens church health and we will never get to uh, be a healthy church. So the first type of person is what I'm calling the obvious divider, the obvious divider. So in chapter three of Titus, if you look at verse 10, it says, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him knowing that such a person is warped and sinful he is self-condemned this is the same this is the same person that's over in chapter 1 and verses 10 10 or 11 that i mentioned earlier he's the empty talker the deceiver he's he's teaching for shameful gain it says that he's upsetting families so so uh, these people are, are, div- are dividing in the church. And I would say that the elders of the church have a, have a serious responsibility that is very difficult at times, but to keep those type people out of the church or at least to address them and as Matthew 18 would say, kind of walks through a more detailed process of how to address them. But hopefully we would gain a brother. But if not, to push those people outside the church because we've got to protect the flock that is, that is here. And so you have this obvious divider. It's someone who's, who's selfish. Uh, maybe they came to church to have a, some kind of platform to push some kind of agenda And they end up upsetting people and and dividing people. And essentially, they're living out chapter 1, verse 16, where it says that they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. I would not want to be accused of this. This is the obvious divider. Not concerned with good works, uh, selfish, not looking to the needs of others. In fact, uh, only looking to the needs of, of himself or herself. And the danger is that in the church, we all start to look at these problems and things that divide us rather than, rather than being a unifier and looking at other people's needs and meeting those needs. The second type of person that's kind of a, a, a ditch that we can fall into on the road to good works is what I'm calling the, the good but not good works person. The good but not good works person. This is a person that loves the church. They spend personal time with the Lord. They're pursuing personal holiness. And that's as far as it goes. They never get to to this part of utilizing the giftings that the the Lord has given them. They don't look to other people's needs. And ultimately, I would say that this is a very consumeristic type of faith. You come, to faith, you come to church so that you're fed. And we do come to church so that we're fed. But it's not just so we're fed. We're filled up so that we can overflow and so that we can look to other people and so that we can meet some of these needs. And so you have the good but not good works person. And if, and if this is you, I, I would ask God to, I, I, I would advise you to ask God to search your heart. And I basically asked the question, why does my faith not lead me to see the needs of others and want to meet those needs? Ask yourself that question. Why, why does my faith do that? I don't look to other people's needs. I don't care about serving. And I would say, get serious with the Lord and ask. Because ultimately, I, this is what uh, James would call a dead faith. Faith without works is dead. And so you could also be guilty of Titus 1, verse 16, that you profess to know God, but you deny him by your works, or you, you deny him by your lack of works. Okay, so the third person, that's the good but not good works person. The third person is the guilted into good works person. The guilted into good works person. I already mentioned earlier that August 8th we're going to pass out those, they might be on your seats, the serve the church commitment cards. And immediately, you start feeling this kind of sense of guilt, Ah, mentioning the uh, serve the church cards again. You know, honey, this year, I think I I ought to do something. You know how to serve the church. I I can give a year. It's not a big deal. And that guilt becomes bad enough. And when the guilt becomes bad enough, you, you, you take that pen out and you fill out the card, sign it, whatever. God never intends for us to be motivated by guilt. God wants you to utilize the giftings that each of you have, that the Spirit has given you to do good works out of the overflow of your love for God, out of the overflow of your commitment to see his kingdom expand and, and go forth. And that is the only motivation that we should have for doing good works or, or even for filling out a serve the church commitment card. And so my advice to you would be go home read verses three to seven, meditate on these verses, reflect on these verses, and grow in your love for Jesus and ask God to give you the right motivation for serving and doing good works. So you might, you might end up doing those, quote, good works, but you've got the wrong motivation. And I would say that ultimately, that's going to threaten church health. That's the guilted in the good works person. So we've got the last and final person that I'll point out. And this is the motivated by blessing or praise person. The motivated by blessing or praise person. You love to serve, both inside the church, outside the church. You love to serve. You love to meet needs. But ultimately, you're doing it to gain something. Either you're saying, God, I'll serve you and I love to serve you, but I really want to have you bless me. I really want to be blessed by you. Or you're saying that, God, I'll serve in the church, but man, it feels so good when I'm praised and recognized by others. And you end up seeking that that praise and that recognition of others. And, and I would just say that all of us who serve here, if, if you're like feeling bad right now, all of us who serve here, I think fall into this category in one way or another. I think we're all here on some kind of a spectrum because sometimes it does feel good when somebody mentions your name and how you got here early to do the hands team and uh, or, or you, you know, you're serving in Covenant Kids or whatever. And, and it feels good to us. But I would say just that we need to consistently search our hearts and ask, why does that feel good to us? Are we serving purely out of the overflow of our love for the Lord and for his kingdom? Or is there something inside of us that, that we serve to be self-seeking? We serve so that, so that something will come back on us. And again, I think the solution here is to return to verses 3 to 7 and to, and to reflect on who we were before God saved us. Reflect on what God has done for us. Reflect on what he will do for us. And I think that will begin to change our hearts so that we can serve out of a pure heart, so that we can look to meet needs out of a, out of a pure heart. So ask God to consistently search our hearts in these things. I would just ask you this morning, where would you place yourself? You might have thought of a fifth category. You're like, well, I'm actually in that category. And I need to repent and, and do some work with the Lord on that category. And that's fine. But where would you place yourself this morning? In your heart, did you identify with any of these? Do you feel like the spirit might be speaking to you? It might be saying something to you? I would say take some time. Even now, we're going to have communion. Take some time during communion. We're going to sing a psalm. Reflect on these things. Take some time this week, maybe. Spend some time with the Lord, asking him to search your heart, to ask where you are and where you should be. Can you imagine if Christ's covenant is filled with members who are selfless, humble, looking to others' needs, to meet others' needs. We're we're properly grounded on this verse 3 to 7 understanding of who we were and who we are and, and what God has done for us. We're all serving not to be seen by others, but simply out of the overflow of our love for God and what he's done for us. Can you imagine if Christ's covenant is filled with members like that? We're going to carry out what the book of Titus calls these good works. And I would say that the end of that is that we're going to have a healthy and long-lasting kingdom, a uh, long-lasting church that's going to have an impact for God's kingdom. That's an exciting place to be. So I, I would just, I would just ask, ask the Lord where you are today and where he would have you be. Let's pray. Father, in all the things that our minds might go to now, Lord, I, I, I just ask that um, you would allow us to be quiet before you, even as we, as we take communion now. A great time to reflect on verses three to seven of what Jesus has done for us and how he is the one who was selfless and humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. God, that we may walk in his steps, that we may be more like Jesus, be selfless and be humble and godly and look to meet others' needs. God, I pray that you'd help us to reflect on these things now. In Jesus' name, amen.